Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 117th episode of the Youth Thought Podcast. Unfortunately, today we are not a full group. We are missing Wyatt. We will do our best without him. But otherwise, I am joined by the other usual cohort, Lucas, Jared, and Aiden. As always, let's dive in with some news we missed that we won't be delving into too deeply. Uh, first of all, the 2021 NFL Hall of Fame class was released recently. And amongst several people, I actually, I can just give you the whole list of people I think were robbed. Devin Hester was robbed, I think. Some people will claim he shouldn't be in at all. I think he should be. Reggie mm-hmm. Wayne, Torrey Holt, Demarcus Ware, Jared Allen, and Rondé Barber were all other big names that also didn't get in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that 2022 class is going to be pretty interesting, most likely. Um, in, uh, in the shadow of the James Harden, Ben Simmons trade, we witnessed the all-star draft. (laughs) The last two picks were Rudy Gobert and James Harden. Kevin Durant had the second to last pick. So he, he gave this like whole spiel about how Rudy Gobert is like going to help him defend the interior or something like that. (laughs) And then I I remember the TNT guys were like, wow, that worked out really well for you. (laughs) So James Harden went last and the whole time LeBron was like holding an iPad in front of his face or something to to, to block himself uh, from view of laughing, which is pretty funny. Yeah. He was injured though. It makes a lot of sense, you know, that he was picked last. Uh, Yeah. I, I guess injured. I don't injured. remember who our last pick was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was Middleton. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. In other NBA news, my favorite big man, since he's on the Timberwolves, cat was entangled in some Wordle drama. Just to make this quick, for those of you who don't know Wordle, it gives you like it. It gives you colors based on your letters, and then you know how close you are, right? And so one day. Cat posted a thing that apparently was impossible, given the, the word that was actually the Wordle word that day, and people attacked him on Twitter for that a lot. And then he, he defended himself by saying he actually had a different word that day. I don't know what's true or not true, but that was pretty funny. Just like a really weird thing. I didn't <laughs> look at the tweet, but couldn't up. couldn't he have just like disregarded? Could he have disregarded like one of his correct letters, and that's why it came out to a pattern no, that didn't make sense? No. So Based it was, on like the green, yellow, and gray, that that row only, it okay. wasn't possible. Yeah. So like his second to last word, based on like what his guess would have had to been, would have been U C space E R, and there's just no word <laughs> that, <laughs> that it could have possibly been. Gotcha. At that point, but yeah. What did he yeah. say? Anyway. Did he like say what word he did have? In, you know quotes yeah it was it was whatever the word old word ended up being the next day for everybody else oh, oh. Interesting. so like yeah. he yeah which is like it was the day that the new york times took over wordle which is why i'm thinking maybe mm-hmm. there was just an okay. actual legitimate technical issue there so <laughs> i don't know if carl anthony towns give this right. word <laughs> else <laughs> give, give yeah. Word. Yeah. if frog they're literally just emojis <laughs> so you can just copy and paste them into your thing however you want <laughs> yeah. did, right. did you see uh, the, the wolves too tweeted out like the next day like no ulcers here with the picture of him <laughs> oh man the, the social media team is pretty fire yeah all um, the nbas all the nba teams have a good social media presence i would say yeah, it's a good, it's a good league. Yeah. Um, and then lastly for us, and we can talk about this at length because why it's not here. No, I'm kidding. But uh, Notre Dame <laughs> hired the Bengals linebacker coach Al Golden as their defensive coordinator. So now Marcus Freeman's first coaching staff is finally all wrapped up. I don't know there if anybody's go. excited about this hire or not, but 
I mean, he didn't do well in football mind. He Sorry. didn't do well in college as a head coach, but the defense was good this year for the Bengals and good during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Pretty yeah. solid. Yeah. So, okay. Exciting stuff. All right. Let's dive right in. Obviously, probably the the main event of the past week and probably the main event of the whole past year, the Super Bowl happened. As always, commercials are a huge part of that. Jared, I know you love commercials. You probably have a lot to say here. So let's just dive right in. Let's go through some of our takes or favorites or least favorites from the commercials this year. Let's start with you, Jared. See, I do have a lot. I'll save them for the end, though, just so I don't like take other people's. But I'll give my best commercial my least favorite commercial and then like kind of an honorable mention that's in a category that I don't really have a definition for. Anyway, though, (laughs) my favorite commercial was the keeping up with the Joneses Toyota commercial. I don't know if you guys remember that one. It was with Tommy Lee Jones, Leslie Jones and Rashida Jones and then Nick Jonas at the very end. Uh, That that was the part that really cracked me up was Nick Jonas just came in. He was like, woo. And they were like, what? That's He doesn't have the right last name. But um, And Tommy Lee Jones like didn't know who it was. I thought it was perfect. I, I really liked that. And just that combination of actors and actresses, I think, uh, was really good. Because I like all, all three of the actors, I guess, and the one singer, mm-hmm. Nick Jonas. Um, so yeah, that was probably my favorite. And it actually showed the product, where sometimes like yeah. commercials mm-hmm. don't show the product at all. And you're like, okay, but what is... Salesforce do, for example. Mm. Um, <laughs> yes. Least, yeah, least favorite commercial was apparently the most successful commercial of the day. But I hated the Coinbase commercial. Yeah, Just I was going to mention that as well. Code going around, Stop. Like, it's so lazy. I don't <laughs> care that actually, okay. it was effective. I don't it, care. It's it was lazy. Effective. Entertain me. They're just here to make you entertain you, Jared. They're trying to make you invest and yeah, lose all your money on crypto. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, if apparently, like, I mean, a commercial is meant to convert a customer into a buying customer, and that's, like, probably the best way you could possibly do it, the way they did it, mm-hmm. but it's not creative at all. I hate that. I hate, like, the, <laughs> oh, this is, clever. like, we're just going to straight up advertise d- to it's you. It's clever. They capitalized just, yeah. on the, mm-hmm. the thing that has been trending all of COVID. It's perfect. I hate yeah. it. Yeah. And it capitalized on the just the mysteriousness of it. Made you want yeah. to be like, uh-huh. what it is did, this? It's yeah. brilliant. It did. And it everybody did, from that standpoint, like, and that, like, it was so effective because it was creative, and everyone's like, what does this mean? It wasn't creative, it. though. It was just anti advertising. I disagree. Uh, it was yeah, it's anti art, though, Jared. It's like innovative. It's like, you know, it's like. <laughs> Which I hate. It's like, when, it's like, no, I hate crypto, but I. <laughs> I got yeah. it in Coinbase some props here. Uh huh. Apparently, crashed the website. Yes, too, yeah, it so. did. Yeah. <laughs> so that I give props to the marketing team, but not to the engineering team. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. My honorable mention here uh, that I don't really know, like, how to dec- categorize this, but. I um I wouldn't say like I'm a huge Tolkien fan necessarily, but I love the Lord of the Rings movie trilogy. I think it's the best movie trilogy ever made. So I've been like uh, anticipating like a, a lot of anticipation for the Rings of Power trailer. And I'm now more worried about the series than I was before I saw this commercial. It looks like they're leaning too heavily into CGI and it's the most expensive TV show ever made. You better use practical effects. Don't, don't, Con me with these CGI <laughs> that ruined The Hobbit. That's my rant right there. But that, yeah. I was, mm-hmm. I was kind of, I'm nervous, more I'll nervous for the show than I was before I saw yeah. that. 
Jared wants a realistic Middle Earth, you know, unless it conceivably <laughs> exists in the real world. Practical effects just look so much better in Wait, no, you're and, right, Jared. Just, yeah, I just agree. go for yeah. it. Just go for it. For those of us who don't know, what is the Rings of Power about? Uh, it's just it's about Middle Earth, um, but it's set in the Second Age, so before The Hobbit, before The Lord of the Rings. Okay. Um, I think Sauron is in, like, some sleep or something. I think Sauron is a character that, like, factors in this narrative, but... Um, He's not like I don't know if he's in possession of the Ring of Power yet or yeah. something like that. I'm not I'm not sure what yeah. happens, but because as we all know, Lord of the Rings takes place in the Eighth Age, so there's like a lot of time, <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of time between the two, right? Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, Good so it's it. it'll um there are some familiar characters like Galadriel is in it. I know who's like the Kate Blanchett's character, the elf. Um, a couple other people too, like Isildur, and I think Elrond as well. Anyway, not sure if I don't think Gandalf is in it. I don't believe so, but he he could like in the lore he could be in it, but I don't think he is casted right now. Um, but yeah, dude, it it's it's also just such a better like movie making experience for the actors and actresses if they are working with like real people and mm-hmm. on real locations. Like obviously they use New Zealand again, but I I don't think actors signed up to to just be on a green screen alone. So I don't know. If you can't act on a green screen alone, then you're not really a qualified actor. <laughs> you're not. To be so. honest. Let's move. Yeah, those are my Especially. those are my top three, and then I'll I'll add in some little flavor if we need. Okay. So yeah. Right. So who's next here? Uh, Lucas, you're up next. Lucas. Yeah. Um. I wanted to throw in a little bit more discussion into the QR code Coinbase. Okay, okay, you know, let's do it. Dialogue that we're having. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> um. I thought. It was interesting too. I thought it was a good bit that it was like it was like the DVD like load screen as yeah. well. Like I thought that that was another good cultural reference of like that mm. as well. Like, did you notice it hit the it hit the corner perfectly? They, yes, they gave us I the did. satisfaction they at did. the very <laughs> end. Oh, that's See, funny. There's some creativity. There's some thought into it. I do think it's like it was good advertising. I also think it was dumb. But speaking of crypto, I think it was a good. It was a good Super Bowl for crypto and crypto shade. Like, just, like, generally. I feel like the <laughs> overall narrative was just, like, there were so many crypto ads. There was Larry David doing a crypto ad. There were a ton of them. There was a Coinbase one. And then there were also, like, the responses to the crypto ads, which I thought were, like, kind of fun. And, like, not that they were, like, good at selling their product, but, like, the Salesforce one was, like, very clearly a response to the Matt Damon one. Like, I thought that that was yeah. creative. Cause, and maybe it's just because I've seen, like, the Matt Damon one, like, a million times at this point but i'm like yeah f- like i, I want to see something that counters that <laughs> i'm just sort of and then there was like there was the one that was criticizing elon musk or like yeah. throwing shade at elon musk so i think well i don't didn't have maybe a specific favorite commercial i didn't watch them as closely as jared i like the narrative that emerged of like the crypto and the anti-crypto that just sort of like went throughout yeah. the entire super bowl yeah so that was fun. it's a good point lucas that like they <laughs> the people who made the anti-crypto commercials i got that some of the crypto ones like the matt damon one were from before it and everything but mm-hmm. they anticipated the flood of them <laughs> yes and kind uh-huh. of capitalized yeah. on that which is pretty funny yeah mm-hmm. I uh, I don't want to antagonize any of our listeners, but one funny tweet I saw that you may or may not agree with was like, you know how I, you know, I think it went something like, you know why I'm still not sold on crypto as money? <laughs> because you don't see Super Bowl commercials for money. 
that's that's a a really good point (laughs) i just thought that was interesting but if any of our listeners are crypto fans i'm sorry i don't (laughs) yeah oh i I looked it up i got the stat wrong in the group chat it's not that one percent of people own 90 percent of people it's that 10 percent own 99 percent of crypto which i don't know if that's better or worse but it's like (laughs) interesting anyway just add to the discourse i guess (laughs) Um, okay, I'm I'm next. I don't really have any huge meta meta takeaways. <laughs> Excuse meta. me. Okay. <laughs> I don't even want. They had a commercial. I'm not going to talk about the meta commercial. Stop. The less airtime you give them, the better. Although I, I, I will say that one thing that I thought was interesting was that like there was basically no mention of COVID. We've talked a little bit about it on this episode. Yeah, yeah. It was like mm. clearly the the market analysts see that people don't want to hear about it, talk about it, and they're just trying to move yeah. on. I thought yeah. that was interesting. Um, we already talked about the, the QR code one, which was probably my favorite. I also really liked, I mean, there aren't any that I like loved otherwise. I liked the, the Push It one with the animals just because Push It's a classic and anytime it yes. comes on, I was like, I was Absolutely. vibing that. I'm a sucker for Paul Rudd, so the Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen one I liked. Oh, I thought that was, that was really fun. funny, It was yeah. cute. It was just like wholesome fun. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about, yeah, we, you mentioned the Salesforce one, Jared. I hate, hate, yes. hate the commercials that don't yes. have anything to do with the product. <laughs> yes. So one that I saw getting praise was the uh-huh. Toyota one about the two brothers, one of whom is blind. Yeah. And I was mm-hmm. like, dude, it's it, 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 it like it's like a call to emotion, right? That's all it is. It's playing on your emotions, but it still mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the product. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear yeah. any any support yeah. of that commercial because it's still. What does that have to do with Toyota? Tell me. Mm-hmm. Tell it's me. It's just Everybody. positive brand association. Toyota. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Well, Matthew McConaughey in a spaceship is also positive brand association for <laughs> Salesforce. I like I this. Disagree. I like the message of the Salesforce. Uh, okay maybe i've already seen the salesforce commercial too many times because it's been playing throughout the olympics even before the super bowl yeah but i am Uh so done with matthew mcconaughey i'm just so done with him i'm (laughs) sorry his lincoln his lincoln commercials i I heard matthew mcconaughey like a couple months ago call himself like a poet statesman or something like that i feel like he thinks he's so important but he just does stupid like lincoln commercials and this like i uh it Aiden, just, you're not going to be allowed to have your wedding in Texas. Like, exactly. I don't know what's going on. Was he going to be like that? Yeah. <laughs> yes, he, I think he was. <laughs> Vito is my wedding. Yes, um, but anyway, so yeah, that, that hit a chord with me that was like, ugh. Um, but but it seems like it was effective otherwise. And we're talking about it, so I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Aiden, do you have any other significant takeaways or no yeah i mean i think everyone else kind of covered it to to some degree um i like the uber don't eats commercial i thought it struck from the point of that like i previously didn't realize that they you know deliver Mm -hmm. other things and they did it in a a pretty funny fashion so i thought that was good um i like the michelob ultra one i'm kind of a sucker for ones as much as i hated the matthew mcgane one i do like a good like star-studded commercial so i like the bowling one with like Mm -hmm. peyton manning and um serena and a bunch of other people Mm -hmm. and and stuff like yeah. that. Um, worst, I had, had Salesforce on mine just because I don't like Salesforce. I, t- I don't like him. Uh, but I thought the, the bronze crypto ad was... Ugh. I, That's so I, weird. Just so yeah. weird. I was, and yeah. first of all, I thought it was a like Nike commercial. Yeah, first of all, it was bad CGI, so to capitalize on yeah. you know that theme at Jared. Um, mm-hmm. It was like Uncanny Valley-ish. It was like... Yeah, exactly. You could tell that it was off, but... Um, anyway, and I, I just figured it was a Nike commercial <laughs> and then, and then it was like, what crypto.com was like, Oh my God, I'm just so sick yeah. of celebrity shilling. <laughs> <I know. laughs> like, stop it. Yeah. 
Yeah, but they yeah, got LeBron no, too. They got I Brady, know, LeBron, exactly. like they got all the goats. Matt Damon, like, right? Like, like, uh-huh. uh, yeah, the I, I like LeBron, Brady, and Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> I felt betrayed by Larry David doing one yeah. too. It doesn't seem yeah. like he would be somebody who would do it. But. I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was a good commercial. It was a good commercial. It was a good commercial, and then I'm like, oh, when it was what I found out what it was selling at the end. But it is. There's also the the one that I didn't get because I've never watched it. But the Sopranos. I did not get that one at all because I never watched it. I'm like, I'm like, why are they just showing my drive from Philadelphia to New York? Like, like I see all these exits all the time. Like, I don't know what. Anyway, I saw that included on so many like best ofs. I feel like, and but. Yeah, and I feel like that's because media people, like you know, have you know watched mm-hmm. The Sopranos. I feel like a bunch of people did not get it and took away nothing from it because that that was my reaction. But I know I right. watched The Sopranos. I get it. Uh, well, they were yeah. like, this is this is like the next generation's car, but the next generation was like either eight or like not born when The Sopranos came out. So like, who are you talking to? You're actually talking to older people. Exactly. You know, so I was like, yeah, I was just like Either lost or not born. <laughs> no in between. <laughs> Those of us who are four, no. you know, that's our car. But yeah, that, yeah. that resonated. With me, but. but yeah, no, it was just like, oh, like there's the sign for the New Jersey Turnpike, and there's the exit for Staten Island, and there's the exit for Brooklyn. And I'm like, what, like, what am I watching? Like, but I, yeah, I just felt left out. I was like, something's going on here. And I was like, <laughs> anyway, yeah. didn't get it. <laughs> Yeah. I also thought one that was really good that didn't get that much praise, probably just because it was the NFL. Um, was the, their like commercial where they were like playing the video game and then the characters came oh, out yeah. of the video game and like wreaked havoc in the house? Mm-hmm. I really liked mm-hmm. that one. Yeah, I like it. Me and my roommate commented on that as we were watching it. That was pretty. Yeah, cool. I liked it. I did think though that it was possible that it was going to be for some kind of like video game. Like yeah. that was, you know, like a animated kind of video game, and I was kind of excited to play it. Like, you know, like I feel like Blitz, yeah. NFL Blitz, are like one of those. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of sad when it was just NFL. I was a little bit backyard football. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, uh, backyard Pablo football. Sandoval. Do they still yeah, anyway. do they still make backyard football and stuff? I don't, no know. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. When was the last one? I think What's the NFL twenty ten typically. Oh, twenty ten. I feel like yeah. the NFL typically makes pretty good commercials. Like, do you remember the? Uh, the one where Marshawn Lynch like grabs the cake and the the fo- the football at the top like falls down and they all try to mm-hmm. they all like fumble and they all try to get on it. Oh, That's yeah. like a yes. really good commercial. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I also thought the Expedia one was good. The message of it: you won't regret things you didn't buy, yes. but the places you don't go. I was like, mm-hmm. "That's very true." And I'm a sucker for you and McGregor. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And then the the Gerard Mayo one, or was yeah, it Gerard yes. Mayo? Yeah, the yes. Mayo one. The, the that was pretty good too. Yeah. They said, "Take that, Duke's Mayo." NFL players like tackling people never, like just normal people, never gets old. Because wasn't there a (laughs) whole big like other? I feel like the Terry Tate commercials back in the day. Yeah, like some Reebok commercials. Yeah, yeah, um, for the same, and it's still enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. There was an 80-year-old woman or something like that who got tackled in that commercial, Aiden. Exactly. <laughs> it's funny, Aiden, though. <laughs> for the 110 million people who got enjoyment off of that, Bart, I, I would say. She, she took what is wrong with 110 but... million people? <laughs> That's terrible. Right, like anyway. football. An 80-year-old stunt double. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Tom Cruise, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of ones, I, I also kind of like the one where it's like people unzipping the, the, the tax one. Where it's like people unzipping themselves. Oh, yeah. And then it was Jason Sudeikis at the bottom, and then he like put yeah. them back on. Yeah. That was kind of fun. Yeah. I don't know. 
I thought that was effective because like everyone's tax situation is yeah. a bit different. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Trying to get that across. Okay, well let's let's move on. I think we've probably <laughs> discussed the commercials enough for now. Uh, we've added, we've whetted our our Super Bowl appetite. So let's talk about the actual game now. Lucas, let's start with you. Obviously, the Rams won 23-20. Cooper Cup was the MVP. But uh, there are a lot of big names on this Rams team, Lucas. So who would you say whose legacy was be benefited the most from the Rams getting this victory? I'm going to go with two answers here. I think Matt Stafford or Aaron Donald. Uh, I'm going to start with Matt Stafford because I think his legacy benefited a little more from it than Aaron Donald's did. But I think his did as well. So I think you can make the case that with this win that Top 10 arm talent, Matt Stafford, might <laughs> might have a case for the Hall of Fame. I don't think it's necessarily a good one, but I think that there is now a case to be made for him to be in the Hall of Fame. He's the 12th most passing yards of all time. He's between Warren Moon and John Elway, both of whom are Hall of Famers. He's more touchdown passes now than Joe Montana and John Elway. Now he also has a Super Bowl win as a quarterback. With all that being said... I think I might have to agree with Fox's Nate Wright, who made the point that to be a Hall of Famer, you have to be a top five quarter, a top five player at your position for a sustained period of time. I don't know if Stafford has ever been that, but I think at the very least, this game and sort of like him finally being on a good team and immediately winning a Super Bowl like puts his name in the conversation for being in the Hall of Fame in a way that it wasn't necessarily before um, with this win, combined with all the stats and everything. Second. Um, or actually, also too, regardless though, for Stafford, this was an incredible playoff performance. He had the two highest quarterback ratings between a quarterback and a wide receiver in the playoffs ever. Him and Cooper Cup's quarterback rate, like him throwing to Cooper Cup, his quarterback rating was 143.8, which was the highest ever. And then his quarterback rating throwing to uh, OBJ was 138.5, which is the second highest ever in the playoffs. So just like what? an all around elite performance from Stafford. I think. Second, Aaron Donald. Um, I think he's already, obviously, a guaranteed Hall of Famer, all-time great. But I think he now has a pretty strong case that even if he retires, like, right now, after this, he might be the greatest defensive player of all time. Um, he's the only player in the Super Bowl era with seven straight first-team All-Pro selections. Um, he, J.J. Watt, Lawrence Taylor are the only other three-time defensive player of the year. Award winners. He's never missed a Pro Bowl the entire time he's been in the NFL. Although it's a team accomplishment, he like finally has that Super Bowl, something that Lawrence Taylor had and he didn't. Now he has like sort of had that team accomplishment of winning the Super Bowl. I think the argument for GOAT for defensive player comes ultimately down to him and Lawrence Taylor. And while you probably could have had this argument before, like this game happened, I think Donald's case is even stronger now. Um, I might still give the edge to Taylor, who in terms of individual accolades was the MVP in 1986, which Aaron Donald never did. But the question of whether he could even ever win the MVP award in this era, I think, needs to be considered. Like, I think if it was truly an MVP award, he might have won multiple <laughs> at this point. Um, but regardless of who is number one, I think with this win, Donald has all but assured himself as being one of the two greatest defensive players of all time. Even if he ends his career right after the Super Bowl, like he said he might. With who, who would be the other in, in terms Taylor. of top two? Okay, yeah. That's Taylor, I think it's Taylor, too. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. I actually don't dis I disagree that Matt Stafford had much to prove this season. Maybe maybe in a later season he might have. But I think he had pretty much nothing to prove. Here's the thing. Stanley Kubrick, he never won an Oscar for directing, writing, or best picture. But he's one of the greatest directors of all time, like consensus. 
uni- almost unanimously, right? Because you can just see it. You can just see it with your own two eyes. And I think with Matt Stafford, you see it. And like, think of somebody like Philip Rivers. He didn't have to prove like his greatness by winning a Super Bowl. And most people seem to put him in the Hall of Fame discussion. And, and you know, in the Hall of Fame, I think, when we had a debate on it. I don't know. I think... I, I, oh, go, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I said, I don't mm-hmm. know. But like, I think that like, Philip Rivers is far from like a surefire Hall of Famer. Sure. He's not surefire, think, but he'll yeah, make it. Do, though. The barrier to entry, I think, is lower in the NFL than like the MLB, for example. No, I think that's also true. But don't you think like... We'd be having a different conversation about Philip Rivers if he had won a Super Bowl. We would, but I... Yeah, I think the Which is true. Like, Stafford. obviously, it helps his legacy, <laughs> but I think, like, Matt Stafford, you go to a team like the Lions that has just been dis- completely dysfunctional, and in the first season where you have a competent franchise, you know, obviously that's good, but I don't think the expectation was really Super Bowl, for like, on his shoulders necessarily. I think McVay had more to gain from this than anybody, to be honest. Because he's the tr- he was the trust fund kid, like he had everything going for him. Mm-hmm. He he inherited, like he you know he's in L.A., which is a free agent destination. The GM went all in on getting like OBJ, Von Miller, Matt Stafford. You had no excuses after this, basically. You know if you don't if you don't win with that team, then you're not the offensive guru we think you are. When Kyle Shanahan is doing that, is beating you five times in a row with Jimmy G or a backup. You know what I mean? So that's why I think McVeigh had more to prove. And like the big, they got the biggest help legacy wise. I don't think the Stafford take is like necessarily wrong, but I never saw him as like having to prove anything personally. I agree with Lucas that he had to prove something. I don't think it's super similar to the like say Stanley Kubrick situation, and that all that stuff is subjective, <laughs> right? Like the Oscars yeah, no, are subjective, true. and so people don't put that much weight um, mm-hmm. in in that necessarily. Whereas the Super Bowl is is you know objective to some degree um and i feel like with philip rivers like yes i think he will make the hall of fame and i think he's probably deserving of it but in terms of like larger legacy anytime anyone discusses philip rivers they'll talk about his lack of playoff success his lack of a super bowl and i guess yeah legacy at the end of the day it's great to be in the hall of fame that's that's pretty does a lot for it says a lot about your legacy um but i think that he'll always be in the second tier of qbs from his era um, you know, the obviously the Brady's and the Mannings and whatnot, but even like the Big Ben's and whatnot, just because he didn't have that. Um, mm-hmm. So I do think this was huge for Stafford. Compared to defensive players, I feel like I forget the great defensive players. I kind of forget who has won a championship and, and who hasn't. Um, but like the great QBs, I feel like I strongly, at least from the past 20 years, I can tell you how many Super Bowls they won because I feel like we seriously associate the success of their career to some degree with their, their titles and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think, I've, I think if Stafford had forced his way out, then like forced his way out of Detroit, then I'd be like, okay, yeah, the, all the pressure was on Stafford and he had the most to gain from it. But I think this was mostly seen for me as McVay, Sean McVay led as well. Like in terms of Goff is our quarterback for now, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, this is a McVay decision. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I think that adds into it. Bart, what were you going to say? Oh, well, oh, man, I've just been waiting for my turn. <laughs> I was going to add just, just then that I've, I've gone on record talking about how it annoys me how much weight we put into team wins, a.k.a. Super Bowl wins. Um, there's been a lot of discourse about this on Twitter, so I've been reading a lot. So people mention Eli a lot because like Eli mm-hmm. has two Super Bowl wins. And people are still saying, oh, if he gets into the Hall of Fame, then, like, the Hall of Fame is diluted. Like, what does it even mean anymore? 
which is interesting. But I also saw Richard Sherman beefing with fans about this, which was funny. Um, because he made an interesting point, which is like, if you look at Stafford versus Calvin Johnson, the Lions being a terrible organization argument kind of goes out the window. Because like Stafford literally has one Pro Bowl in his career, which is probably, I think, the biggest indictment against him. Whereas like if you look at Calvin, I'm looking at their stats right now on Wikipedia. He was three-time three time first-team All-Pro, one-time second-team, and six-time Pro Bowl. So like even despite being on a terrible organization, Calvin was great. So I feel like this one Super Bowl actually isn't going to help Stafford's case very much because over his career, he still he just doesn't have the accolades. Philip Rivers' strongest thing going for him for the Hall of Fame, I think, is just his longevity, and he was able to rack up a bunch of the cumulative stats. Uh, and so now he's like top 10 in a whole bunch of those things, right? We talked about this. If Matt Stafford can get up there, maybe. But yeah. I agree with you. Sean McVay was my first thought as well. The, the thing about like the Calvin Johnson, though, comparison, and I don't know if this is true, but I think an argument could be made that like a wide receiver is a more individual position than a quarterback, whereas a wide receiver needs to beat his man to some degree, um, maybe two men in the case of Calvin Johnson, um, and get open, whereas Stafford needs his line to be okay and also needs like at least one receiver to get open, whether it's Calvin Johnson or, you know, someone else. It might be like a more kind of team-affected position. Um, But I do think it's a fair point about, yeah, Cal, he wasn't held back um, by the Lions and Stafford was a bit more, you know. Mm -hmm. What what do we think, too, about... I I didn't write this down because I didn't want to monopolize the early conversation, but OBJ's legacy, how do we think this is, like, impacted all by, by finally getting a ring? Yes, no... Again, yeah, I, I don't really think of a wide receiver. I don't think of any position other than a quarterback of like their legacy is really being added to by like getting the Super Bowl. It's it's nice, but I feel like a quarterback is like they're the reason that they get there and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm not really sure how I feel about OBJ's career trajectory. I'd have to look at his stats. I just feel like he has never he burst onto the scene and never like got back to that level from like his rookie season or like third season yeah. maybe. I don't know. No, I think that's true. But he was at, like objectively excellent in the playoffs, yeah, like all the way up until yeah, he got injured I, in the Super Bowl. You have to give him credit for picking the right team. Like, sure, it's it's not even if LA was bad, it's not like a bad decision to go to the Rams. But you see other players like, oh, I'm gonna play for the Raiders or whatever. You know what I mean? Like uh, Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun exactly away from the Rams. Exactly, that's who I was thinking uh, of. And it's like, I you got to give him credit for. Just being like, you know, I just want to win a championship. The Rams are going to give me the best shot, I think. So, oh, and he contributed. contributed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I feel like there was a narrative when OBJ left that he, you know, like pushed his way out, which he probably did to some degree, but that he was, yeah. you know, gonna infect a locker room or something, and he clearly didn't. Um, so I think that at least helps OBJ's legacy. Um, yeah, I definitely come away from it like with more respect for OBJ. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I'm looking like Randy Moss never won a Super Bowl, right? And he's considered right. like a top two or top three receiver all the time, right? I feel like Super Bowls just don't impact receiver legacies. Well, there was the year when the Pats went 18 and 0. Yeah, he should have won that yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> no, the, Randy Moss, like more than anybody else, like has been like robbed of Super Bowls. The the Vikings year where they went 15 and one. Don't don't. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like the greatest team in NFL history, and then. The and then the and then the literal greatest like regular season team in NFL history. Like he's been on two for maybe the five best regular season NFL history teams and never won a Super Bowl. That's oh maybe he was tragic. a common denominator. <laughs> he was. <laughs> he's why they didn't win. 
But... Okay, but hold on. On the topic of, let's move it along here. On the topic of receivers, where do we rank Cup right now? Because I was going to say, if anything, Cup's legacy was helped more because he had such a yeah. great playoff run. Well, whole season run, actually. Where do we think Cup ranks going into next season as a wide receiver? I think I think we have to. I think I'll give him the number one spot because he got the he got the triple crown. I didn't really know this was a thing, but most uh, yards is it yards receptions and touchdowns? Yep. Receiving touchdowns. Yep. So he got the triple crown. He's the only player other than Rodgers and Brady to get an MVP vote, one offensive player of the year. Like, I think you have to give it to him until it's taken away. Basically, at this point, you yeah. won the, you won the Super Bowl. You make the game winning catch. Like that entire drive was Cooper Cup. Yeah, it was. Went he was like, unguardable. Yeah, yeah, he was unguardable. And he exactly. was the only one that they had to, like, guard to some degree. Not, not <laughs> yeah. that but, like, who else was there? You know, Ben, ben Skoranek. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think you got to give him the number one mantle until it's taken away, to be honest. I think yeah. my, my one totally argument agree. against that is that, like, yeah. I think of, like, Devontae Adams, who's done yeah. it for longer. Yeah. That's, like, all I yeah. can say is that Cooper Cup, had, he flashed one season. We've seen players flash before. But uh, yeah, I I think yeah you're right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> to be fair I think... though, Cooper, yeah, yeah. No, go ahead, Andrew. No, I'm just gonna say Cooper's been like very good for years, but yeah, he hasn't been Devonte Adams level for years, mm. I guess. Um, well, yeah, if you... that's the thing though. All of a sudden, you bring in Stafford, and then yeah. Cooper Cup gets MVP votes. You know what? Yeah. What you know? Devonte Adams has Aaron Rodgers, and you know Kelsey. The two people I was thinking of that could challenge him are is Travis Kelsey and Devonte Adams. In terms of like, every time I see them, it just like it seems like no position can guard them on the field. Those mm-hmm. two were the first that came to my mind. I love Stefan Diggs as well, the way he runs routes, especially in the red zone and like on a goal line situation. But those are the the two guys I think that would be close that could challenge him. Yeah. Would be um, Kelsey and Devontae Adams. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think like Debo is also. Or yeah, speaking of true. guys who had a great yeah. year, Debo and just his versatility made kind of yes. a case uh-huh. for being in the discussion. Uh, but yeah, I think it's Cup. Um, and I think you're right that Devontae Adams, in terms of just larger receivers, Kelsey's definitely up there. And with Debo too, he's great because he is so like versatile. I feel yeah. like like Cup is just like straight up like, <laughs> a great receiver. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Imagine when Debo could be with a good QB. I know, exactly. We'll see. Which trailer is next year. We'll see about Trey Lance, because they, they had opportunities to play him more this year, and they yeah. didn't. So I, I agree. I'm, I'm, very not, skeptical I'm not sold. On Trey Lance. But yeah, we okay. should be. Part, but he's a Minnesota boy. He got to root for him. <laughs> oh, I, I actually didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's, I from, he's from Marshall, Minnesota. Okay. That's why I didn't know. It's a forgettable city. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like right on the South Dakota border. So, oh, yeah. oh okay, okay, yeah. Okay, well, speaking of projections for next year, do we think either of these teams will be back next year? I'm gonna categorically say no. Oh, that confidently. Uh, yeah, I think one for the Rams. They're getting older. If Donald retires, that's like a huge loss. I think Jalen Ramsey has clearly lost a step. Like he. Like regardless of the PI on that, that was almost certainly happened on the big touchdown. Like he was beat a number of times. I feel like uh, in the Super Bowl and in the NFC Championship. Um, so I just think that like, especially if Donald retires, like I would not bet on them getting back. But I'm more confident in them than I am in the Bengals. This Bengals run just felt like very much like a team of destiny type of thing. <laughs> where they just like went on a magical run and like all the things kind of fell into place. But the offensive line is a huge liability, like, going forward. And you can't just, like, rebuild that 
overnight. And especially with how good the AFC is, like, I think this might have been, like, their one shot in the next, like, five years. Because, like, the Bills will be better. The Chiefs will be better. Like, I I just don't have a ton of confidence that, like, they're going to be able to put it all together despite the offensive line like they did this year. Yeah, I think there's no way the Bengals get back to the Super Bowl. Like, I would be shocked. Even if they make it any other time in Joe Burrow's career, I'll be shocked. They're such a dysfunctional franchise. They are a dysfunctional (laughs) franchise. And the AFC is loaded, like like Lucas just said. I don't know. I would be shocked. On the Jalen Ramsey point, yeah, he didn't he didn't have the best game, and I'm not really a Jalen Ramsey fan, but he still he made first team All Pro again this year. So I don't know if he's lost a step necessarily. He didn't have a good game though. Yeah, and I, I think the Rams are like they definitely are aging, but the NFC is so murky right now. Yeah, like we're talking point. about like Tom Brady retired, so mm-hmm. Bucks are you know turning to Kyle Trask, who isn't exactly that. Yeah, Jared Jared might be right, uh, but Aaron Rodgers could retire. Uh, potentially uh-huh. or leave you know potentially knocking out the yeah, number one see if we've seen the drama between kyler and the cardinals i don't know if that'll materialize into anything but mm-hmm. those are three of maybe the four other best teams um mm-hmm. in the nfc uh i'll give the cowboys a nod there jared as the, as the fourth <laughs> um, the yeah. nfc east is gonna so, rise exactly. though <laughs> so it's like it's very unclear as to who will kind of fill that void in the nfc and it seems like the the ramps could run it back next year yeah I feel like I'm more confident on the Bengals than y'all. I, really? Well, because the, like the way I see it is, they they made the Super Bowl despite Joe Burrow. I think he like he like set the record for most times sacked like together mm-hmm. between the regular season and, and the playoffs. Yeah. They have so much like cap space. They're not really mm-hmm. losing any significant free agents. They have a lot of draft mm-hmm. capital. It seems <laughs> like they could easily just like go entirely after offensive linemen. And I actually have like a middling offensive line next year. And then we've seen everybody else is so good. They have a great mm-hmm. set of supporting players around Burrow. Their defense yeah, was like do. actually rock solid, especially in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're right that the AFC is stacked, but it's like, I mean, yeah, I feel yeah. like the Bengals talent-wise are actually right up there with the other teams that will be competing in the AFC for the next few years. I don't know. That's fair. I, I just think it's, those... yeah, they'll get an offensive line, like at least an average yeah, one. I feel like one thing, too, that maybe plays in their favor is that, um, like, I feel like there's often an issue with, like, people going to, like, destination cities or, like, destination locations, but, like, all the really good AFC teams are not necessarily in destination locations. Like, Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, all, like, great cities, but, like, not necessarily, like, people aren't going to, like, it's not like New York or L.A. where people are going to be drawn there for, like, whatever. So I think that, like, that helps them. Um a lot of that, like their competition, the like in the NFC. Zach Wilson, let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the NFC, your competition for like the best team is in LA, which like is like doubly compounding the issue. But in the AFC, yeah. it's like you're well, there's an, there's an LA team field. in the AFC too. Yeah, but they're not like elite, you know? <laughs> no, yeah. But they have a, yeah. a top four quarterback, according to Aiden. So. Wait, what? You said oh, Justin Herbert was a top. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Raiders. Sorry, yeah. No, I don't no, know no. why. I think the Raiders are LA. Yes, I think he's still Herbert living in 1992. Exactly. Right <laughs> Five years before he was oh. born. But. <laughs> um, but, still, but no, I, I think yeah, I, I would be surprised if Joe Burrow didn't win a Super Bowl in his career. Personally, maybe that's too much. The to like, oh, he's we, a winner, but he, he yeah. is, and like mm-hmm. he brought a team with significant liabilities to you know the Super Bowl. Obviously, had a bunch of help from a talented team. But I, I'm optimistic about the Bengals. 
I do think though that the Chiefs and Bills are are better at the moment and probably will be entering next year. So it will be one of like I feel like it'll be one of those kind of crapshoot things where we'll be seeing these teams kind of rotate in and out of like the Super Bowl or the AFC Championship for the next mm-hmm. five six years. Yeah, I don't know. We we all think like oh they're gonna be back, but you just you just never know. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers hasn't been back, for example. <laughs> You know, and like uh, Mahomes, even he hasn't. He's been back, but he hasn't won a Super Bowl since. Like he, sh- he should have had three by now. You know, based on the projections. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's no, that's that's fair. That's very yeah. fair. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, we'll we'll see. Nobody wants to make any buckets. I'm not going to either. But uh, I feel like there are some takes there that will be right or wrong. <laughs> Come next year. Ian Book uh, wins a Super Bowl. No, I'm just kidding. Exactly. <laughs> why, why? Again, NFC is murky, Jared. Who knows? Yeah, it could it could happen. I mean, hey, Ben Skoranek. Ben Skoranek Ben Skoranek won a Super Bowl. He won a Super Bowl for Ian Book. So he was on the field the entire game. I, I after, <laughs> after handing them the interception on a Seven, flat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but hey. I got We gotta respect the Notre Dame guys, especially you have to. I that were born on the literal same day I was. So yeah, we share that connection. Oh That's crazy. Cute. Makes you really think about your life when somebody who was born on the same day you were and <laughs> it, went, it and does. went to the same college you did, and now has won a Super Bowl. Well, I'm just sitting here talking about him. Next year, next year. Yeah, next year's my year. Legal counsel for the Cincinnati Bengals. Anyway. <laughs> yeah we'll see but anyway yeah all right anyways let's completely switch tacks and (laughs) jump to uh the other sport that we like to talk about every now and then basketball uh nba specifically um another thing that happened this week in addition to the super bowl was the nba trade deadline it came and went. There were a number of uh, trades with relevant players that happened. So let's go through some of them and talk about who we thought the winners and losers were amongst those. Let's start with Kristaps Porzingis getting traded for Spencer Dinwiddie. Well, I'm, I'm only mentioning the main players here. Um, so the Mavs finally shipped Kristaps. Jared, let's start with you. Who who won this trade? Um, I think the Wizards definitely won this trade. It feels like it's a move where... Yes, they should have done it, but they got a weird return out of it. I feel like, like, and especially because the Mavericks were playing pretty well this year overall. And yes, Porzingis wasn't healthy; he only played like thirty something games, I think, um, out of their fifty-five. And that was like the concern. And like Porzingis, what does he do for your spacing? He doesn't, you know, he was kind of getting dunked on like in the bubble playoffs. I remember quite a bit. And so I think like the the writing was on the wall, I guess, in terms of yeah, they needed to get rid of Porzingis, but. Just to get like a guy that's averaging like twelve points a game and another guy that's averaging five a game, I don't know. It doesn't feel like great return for what Porzingis potentially could have brought you. Um, so yeah, I think the Wizards probably won this trade. But um, what do you think, Aiden? Yeah, I agree with you. It was a very weird trade to me. Um, I I don't like Kristaps as a Knicks <laughs> fan. I I really don't like him. <laughs> Um, have it for a while mm-hmm. um, but this was pretty much a one-for-one swap of Kristaps for Dinwiddie um, plus taking on Davis Bertrand's awful contract um, but if I were a Mavs fan I would definitely be kind of disappointed Dinwiddie I do not think makes the Mavs better and as you mentioned Jared they're a contending team they have a shot um, in the west and like he shoots a lot of threes for someone who doesn't make threes 
He's 28, <laughs> and he seems to be pretty past his prime. He was good two years ago on the Nets, but has not, you know, relived that at all this year. Um, I guess the my biggest takeaway was that Kristaps wasn't fetching much on the market. Um, after all, he's you know he's been injured a lot. He has a big ego, um, but I still thought he'd fetch more than this. Um, and I saw that the Raptors were apparently offering uh, Dragic and a protected first round pick for Kristaps, which I think would have mm-hmm. been a better trade, personally. Um, not that, I mean, Dragic would have been one year, but a first rounder, something going towards the future seems like better than Dinwiddie, who I don't see being any part of the Mavs future at the moment. I, I remember on one episode a, a long time ago, I said that I thought Porzingis was untradeable because of his yeah. contract. <laughs> So to me, it just seems like they they gave up on him and they're trying to clear cap space so that Luca can get a superstar signed at some point alongside him. They but didn't even really I, get I, that I, much clear that much cap space though because the players they got were decently expensive still. When is when is Din, you know and it doesn't matter. Yeah, I think um, no, I yeah, Dinwiddie's still under contract. Things. I think yeah. because if one of their other guys leaves, then Dinwiddie would like take their spot. I can't remember the details, but. Oh, yeah, 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 something like that. Bertrand's is apparently. That, I think his contract expires this year, but is he's being paid like fifteen million a year? Yeah, and he's insane. scoring five points a game on like thirty-five percent shooting. Wow, the NBA he's contracts are, are crazy. Exactly. crazy. Well, he was really good like two years yeah, ago, and then yeah. it's just like he got the huge contract, and it's just like underperformed since. Oh, also, Bart, speaking on your untradeable thing, the Wizards always take untradeable players. Doesn't it seem like mm. they do? They took Russell Westbrook. All of a sudden, yeah. and like, wait, did you say Westbrook? Did yeah, I, I, <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. But, yeah. and didn't, they take, uh, like, they always just seem to absorb like bad contracts. Them and the Thunder. Mm. No, the the Thunder's front office knows what they're doing. I will, yeah. I will definitely not defend the Wizards though. Anyways, <laughs> next trade. One of my favorite names in the NBA, Demontis Sabonis, got traded. The Pacers dealt him to the Kings. Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Hield, among others. So, Aiden, <laughs> let's start with you. Who won? Um, I was surprised by it, but honestly, I'm going to give the very diplomatic answer. If I think they both came out as winners, I did not initially think that, um, but I think it addressed issues with both of their teams. The Pacers had a front court that was too crowded, Miles Turner and Sabonis. Um, Kings had a very crowded backcourt of Darren Fox, Halliburton, and Heald, so they swapped players. Um, I think it's very possible that Halliburton will turn into an actual star, and the Kings could potentially regret it. He's been really good his first two years um but Sabonis is a rebound machine he scores efficiently he's already shown some chemistry with Darren Fox um and they got rid of Heald's unnecessarily large contract speaking of bad contracts especially how poorly he's played this year though maybe you know as I think we joked maybe last week how Heald's probably playing poorly just to get off the Kings um (laughs) so maybe maybe he'll look better now but thus far he's consistently regressed since his like pretty big breakout year a couple years ago um so honestly i'm i'm okay with it i think it's a good trade um and i'm happy that the like lakers or you know some more star power driven team didn't you know reap the benefits of players on the kings or the pacers yeah i'm gonna give it like a slightly more uh of a win to the pacers in this situation the kings i think it like i think i've also like toned down my opinion on this a little bit since I, like, first saw it as well. But it's just, like, it seems like it was a very much a win-now move for the Kings, and it, for a team that's not really ready to win now. Like, Halliburton, like you mentioned, Aiden, has been, like, 
really, really excellent in his first two years. And he talked about, like, wanting to build a winner in Sacramento. He, like, 17, 14 points, seven assists. Like, it seemed like they finally had, like, a foundational piece um, along with Aaron Fox to, like, sort of build up from. And, like, yes, they did have, like, you know, like... Crowded, crowding there with like Heald and Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox, but I feel like they could have just shipped off Heald maybe to fix that problem and kept Halliburton, who I think is the best piece of all three of them, um, probably at this point. And you trade him for somebody who, like you mentioned, Sabonis is really good, but he's five years older than Halliburton. He makes them better in fixing an issue, but not that much. And I think the upside of just keeping Halliburton was so much higher than whatever they'll get out of Sabonis. Like Sabonis is a really good player on a contending team. But they're just not a contending team, and they're not ready to win now. And it seems like they unnecessarily mortgage like five years of their franchise in terms of just like the age difference between the two for a player that's like not that much of an upgrade in the immediate short term. Like he's better than mm-hmm. Hal Merton is now, but not that much better. I think Hal Merton just has so much higher of a ceiling um, than whatever Sabonis is doing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild that there is how, how old is Halliburton? Yeah, he's twenty. He's twenty. Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, they're both super young. But you're right that Halliburton's just who knows what the ceiling is there. Yeah. Yeah. People around the NBA were allegedly like execs were shocked that the Kings dealt him. I saw this on Twitter. <laughs> so. Yeah. I don't know. Um, all right, moving on, Jared. Let's go to you. Your beloved Blazers traded away CJ. I don't even remember who to. Oh, to the Pelicans. Uh, to the right. Pelicans. <laughs> uh, uh, who who do you think won this trade? Um, I I don't hate this as much as a lot of people do. Um, maybe that's an indictment of my NBA knowledge, but uh, I I'll give this to the Blazers. I think like the CJ Neil the previous GM Neil Olshay was so fixated on like that Dame and CJ were good enough to win a title when it was increasingly evident that they just weren't. So it was. Good to get rid of C- get rid of CJ. Like obviously Portland loves him and everything, but good to get rid of him and try to retool for like one last ride with Dame basically before we have to really just blow this. They pretty much blew this thing up actually in terms of all the players they've traded. Um, and like Nurkic is staying, for example, which you know he's he can be good, but I'm not like a hundred percent sold on him. I think the the main benefits we get is just like short term flexibility essentially from this, in that. They free up like sixty million in cap space over two years, like thirty million this next year that would have been owed to, to CJ, and then we got a pick. It all kind of depends on like what does this all turn into? Because we got a pick from the Pelicans that if it's between five and fourteen, we get it. Um, mm-hmm. If it's not, then it like kicks into some other stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which I think Dame was like the sixth overall pick or something like that, eighth maybe. If that if we hit on that pick, all is forgiven basically you know what i mean so you have to see like how does this actually turn out to really grade it but i'm gonna give it to portland i don't hate it and it's weird that an interim gm is like making all these moves also that we haven't like (laughs) hired a new person yet but hopefully we get somebody in the summer that can like do some damn maybe danny ainge or something who's like a native uh who's a pacific northwest native what might be interesting but yeah we'll see bart what do you think I, I, well, I, so I think I like it more for the Pels, but like, I don't disagree with anything that you just said. It's, I think it's clear, like all three of like the actual humans that the Blazers just traded for are like very meh and they will yeah. probably be like cut or dealt or whatever in the near future. I think you're right that they're just clearing up the cap space. 
But like from the Pelicans' point of view, it's very interesting. I think they're really banking on Zion like playing at some point so that they can get the trio of Zion, Brandon Ingram, and CJ together. Because that's like a really, really rock-solid offense, at least. I mean, mm-hmm. who cares about defense? But that offense is really hard to guard. <laughs> so I, I think it's, it's going to be interesting if they can all play together. I actually think they would be a really good team. And I think CJ would, would be interesting as a lead guard. I know like I saw the stat that like whenever CJ played alone without Dame, the Blazers' offense kind of tanked. So, like, I don't know if that's just because the offense was built around Dame a lot. But I think it'll be interesting to see the three of them actually play together on the Pelicans. And right now, the Pels are only, like, half a game back for the 10th seed. So they clearly think they have a running for the playoffs, uh, even if it's only the play-ins. So I, I think it's actually it's interesting for them, and I'm, I'm glad that they're trying to go for kind of, like, a win-now thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, who, who knows? Who knows how far they'll get in the playoffs? But, yeah, I, I like that more for the Pels just because CJ is, like, I guess he's the quote-unquote sexy um like you know piece of the deal mm-hmm. um okay last but not least let's go to your team <laughs> lucas mm-hmm. james harden has been acquired ben simmons and all his drama are gone <laughs> i'm not biased at all here with how i'm phrasing this who won the trade i think this is like as close to a win-win move as you could possibly get on both sides and i'll just ignore the fact that the sixers lost by 38 tonight <laughs> to the uh, to the celtics but we all we all are down nights um but first for like in terms of the sixers and what they got out of it one, they got rid of Simmons, whose attitude has like just completely dragged the team down for like the last almost year at this point. Um, and second, they got James Harden. I know there's a lot of talk about like James Harden's wash. He's having a down year. He's not very good, but if his like if you being washed and having a down year is you put up twenty two ten and eight like he has this year, that's like a pretty good like player to add to your team, regardless of like where he is in comparison to, like, his MVP self. He pairs perfectly with Embiid, who's never had, like, a great perimeter creator to play with. It's basically Kobe Shaq, but just, like, updated for the modern NBA, I think is the closest (laughs) comparison you can make. Maybe I'm being a little optimistic with that. Plus, their starting lineup of Harden, Maxi, Thibel, Harris, Embiid now, maybe Danny Green instead of Thibel, has pretty much everything you could want. You have a great perimeter scorer in Harden. You have two great facilitators in Harden and Maxi, elite defensive talent in Thibel, a great third option score now in Harris. Now, he doesn't have to be like that second option. I think he'll really thrive in that role. And a top three NBA player in Embiid. Um, the bench is a little thin now, which I think is the one concern coming out of it that they had to deal Curry and Drummond. But I think that's less of an issue when you have, um, you know, James Harden on your team. I think it immediately puts the Sixers as one, as one of the favorites in the East if they weren't already maybe the favorite in the East. And for the Nets, I think it also worked out well. There was also like locker room drama with Harden there, and they got to clear that out. They've struggled defensively somewhat, and they got Simmons, who is a great defender. Like, for everything else you can say about him, he's a great defender, and he now lo- no longer has to be the go-to scoring option. So, like, there's not that... Or one of the go-to scoring options, so there's not that pressure on him. Plus, they got really good, like, depth. Like, Curry and Drummond are both excellent bench sort of players, or, like, end your starting lineup type players. And Drummond is a really good rim protector, which they needed as well. So I think, like, it's as close to a win-win trade as you could imagine. They, like got rid of both of their locker room issues and their drama, and they both got players that sort of, like, supplement the skills of their superstars. So I think it's a win on both fronts. Bart, what do you think? I agree entirely. You you, you made basically all of the points that I would have liked to make. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, if, if anything, I would say the Nets won, like, a, a little bit more just because of what you said about the fact that Ben Simmons now can thrive in, like, a less, in, mm-hmm. a, in a more minor role. Um, yeah. But I will say... 
Uh, I do I do think Seth Curry and Drummond take take an L here and Simmons to an extent in the mm-hmm. sense that like they now have to go and play with Ben Simmons on the Nets and they have yeah. to be cordial <laughs> and act like everything is normal and that it's uh-huh. not weird that Ben Simmons is like playing again. So I think that's yeah. a little bit weird for them. But I also want to just highlight that the, I think the league is the biggest loser here because mm-hmm. now we've seen yet again a superstar just strong arm his way out of a team, which yeah. I, I think mm-hmm. they have to hate. Like Ben Simmons literally just sat out. And then he got what he mm-hmm. wanted. And I, I yeah. hate that. I think the league probably hates that too. But I don't know. I don't know what yeah. the answer is. But uh, that's going to be an interesting to monitor moving forward to see whether they, I don't know, institute bigger penalties yeah. for players doing stuff like this. You know what's wild too? The Nets are still the betting favorite for the NBA title. At this what? Point. Despite, what? Yeah. No. It doesn't make any sense. Despite them currently being, at the time of recording, uh, eighth in the East at 30 and 27. They went on like an eleven game losing streak just now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Dude, can I bet on the field right now? Yeah, yeah, honestly. Yeah. Thought I was gonna put all my money into crypto, but um, <laughs> now you're gonna be betting against instead. the nets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Short the yeah. nets. Yeah. Exactly. It's the move. <laughs> uh. All right, well, let's see if anybody has the Nets ranked as a good team here. Let's jump into our next set of NBA power rankings. We haven't done these in a few weeks. Uh, you all know the drill. Lucas, let's start with you. Pick number one, who are you taking? The Brooklyn Nets. No, it's, uh, <laughs> there's, there's no question who this is, and it's the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I mean, there's not much you can say about them that hasn't already been said. They're just playing elite basketball. At the time of writing, they have the best record in the, in the NBA by four and a half games. At the time of recording, whatever, you know. <laughs> whatever the correct media is that we're doing right here. Uh, Chris Paul is still playing great. He's the lead distributor. Booker's been a great scorer. And DeAndre Ayton is just like working his way slowly but surely towards that max contract. He's been really, really good as well. They beat some really good teams. The Sixers last week in a really close, hard-fought game. The Bucks they beat by 24 last week. That's crazy as the reigning NBA champions. They lead the NBA in defensive rating, and I think are absolutely the favorites to win the final. They've just played excellently overall. Shout out Monty Williams from Notre Dame, great coach. I think they're absolutely the number one in the power rankings this week. Yeah, Bart, I agree. At two, I think I got to take the Grizzlies. Um, they're also pretty hot. They're they've won eight of their last nine. I think they've won eleven of their last fifteen. I like to look at last fifteen stats, last fifteen game stats. Mm-hmm. And they are, I think, second in the league right now in point differential per 100 possessions over the last 15 games. So they're really hot right now. I mean, I, yeah, I don't really have too much else to say, but uh, you know I've been a fan of Jaw this whole season. He's performing super well. Mm-hmm. Um, the West is super competitive, so it'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. They're, they're, just, they're, they're really hot right now, so I'm, I'm taking the Grizzlies at too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm mad you took the Grizzlies, Bart, but at uh, three, Sorry. I'm going to go the Warriors, who I, th- I think are definitely in the discussion for that second spot. Um, mm-hmm. They were skidding a couple <laughs> weeks ago, but they're eight and two over the past 10. Clay is looking better of late. He's heating up a bit. Um, and this is largely without Draymond, without James Wiseman, who will likely be returning at some point in the next couple weeks or so. Um, so I think that's exciting for the Warriors. Uh, I'm very excited just in general to watch the kind of battle for uh, the top of the West because that's those are the best teams right now. We have the top three all coming out of the West. Yeah. Yeah, and with the fourth pick, I, I really wanted to put a team like like the Cavs up here, but I'm gonna put the I'm gonna go with the Heat though. They're they're the number one seed in the East. It's a team full of ballers. You know, it's a good mentality to have, and probably will serve them well in the playoffs. Before they did lose today to the Mavs, but 
Before that, they were on a five-game winning streak, and um, they're like pretty good across the board, top ten in offensive and defensive rating. So, I think they're like a pretty solid team overall. So, I'll put them there at four. Yeah, my next pick at number five is going to be, I think, a bit of a homer pick, um, but <laughs> I'm going to go with the Sixers at five. Um, and I don't think it's like a completely outlandish pick at five either. Um, they have the third best record during the calendar year of 2022 which is really good. They've had a couple of slip-ups in the past few weeks. Um, they lost to the Mavs, Suns, and Wizards. Two of those three, I feel like, are very excusable losses. The Suns are the best team in the Mavs. have also been excellent, and there were weird things in that game with, like, a 30-minute delay with fixing the net, like, and everything. So, you know. But they're still prime position, I think, to take the East. They're currently in fourth. But, like we said, the top six in the East are all within, like, four games of each other. So, like, anything could happen. Um, they have arguably the best player in the NBA, Joel Embiid, who is leading the NBA in scoring at 29.2 per game. Plus, they've shown they can even sometimes win without him. They beat the Grizzlies, who, excellent team, without Embiid, Tyrese Maxey put on a show. And to add to all that, they've just added James Harden. Um, so I think, um, really good team. They've really turned it on in 2022. I think them, they're definitely one of the favorites for the East, and... You know, I think tonight's 38-point loss to the Celtics is nothing to worry about. It happens sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad you mentioned the Celtics because that's actually who I'm going to take here. I think this is, I know, this is is not what the conventional pundits are saying in their power rankings, Mm -hmm. but I agree to disagree. I'm talking about hot teams a lot, and the Celtics are insanely hot right now. Mm-hmm. I mentioned the plus-minus mm-hmm. over the last 15 games. Mm-hmm. They're averaging a plus-minus of 14 points. It's oh. not how much they're beating teams. And I, that was actually before they destroyed the Sixers, which Lucas just mentioned. I, it, it's especially funny to me because I, like I, just last episode or two episodes ago, I was saying that they, they should trade Green. Uh, or sorry, Brown, <laughs> yeah. because they're definitely not winning at all. And all of a sudden, I feel like maybe they're actually contenders in the East. So the Celtics are really hot right now. They have some solid wins. Mm-hmm. Sixers, Nets, Heat in this win streak recently. So I'm, ta- mm-hmm. I'm taking them, even though that's not what the pundits seem to be saying. Yeah, no, I I, um, I looked <laughs> when we said when we did the trade things, and we're, I was like, oh, yeah, they need to mortgage their future. Too. Like, they, they, everybody but Tatum is gone. And they've been insane they have the yeah. second they have the second best record in the nba since 2022 started and they've just like gone on such a run it's crazy but yeah oh. Aiden, are you are you mad that i took them or mad that i like i'm mad that you took you? them you took the grizzlies first who had a lot of notes prepared for her. i had a lot of notes prepared for the celtics i was very hyped about the celtics right now um but but anyway the celtics have been taken i think you're rightly high on them at the moment um they improved at the trade deadline but anyway um i'm gonna take at the seventh pick, I believe I am. It's mm. hard for me to not take the Cavs, but I'm, I'm going to go with the Bulls. Um, mm. They're still kind of waiting for Lonzo and Alex Caruso and Patrick Williams to get healthy. And that may not like fully happen uh, for a couple weeks or so, but they're still winning. Um, and they're, you know, mainly beating teams that they should beat. They've still struggled a little bit against, you know, teams that are more on their level or better. Uh, but they remain kind of at the top of the East. I think they're second or third at the moment. Um, so there's definitely reason to be optimistic about the Bulls, given that without full health, they're still kind of maintaining. Yeah, I'm uh, glad Wait, you didn't I, pick... Sorry, can I just Go add on. one thing? You, you took the Bulls, right? Yeah. Uh, I wanted to... Um, DeMar DeRozan, I saw a crazy stat, is the first Bulls player ever to have like 35 points 
on 50% shooting for like five straight games or something. Like he's basically playing better right now than Jordan ever had a streak of in his career, which is nuts. That's so I, I didn't realize he was having this type of year, but he's playing out of his mind. The Sorry more, to interrupt you, Jared. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. No, it's all good. I, I'm going to go with the Cavs here. Um, I think they did really well at the trade deadline, obviously, by getting Karis LeVert. They're kind of, I kind of feel like they're like the Knicks last year and that they're kind of like an upstart team in a way and have some like fun energy. And Dan Gilbert's finally getting what he wanted with the Cavs are better than a LeBron-led team. So um, I just think there's some good momentum there, though. They did lose to the, to the Sixers, but I think there's still some pretty good momentum there. And hopefully when, as they gel and play together a little bit more with LeVert, um, they could be even better. So I'm going to go there with at the eighth spot, the Cavs. All right, I'm on two minds at nine. I think I'm going to go with the Dallas Mavericks at number nine. Um, I think the Mavs and Luka especially have been playing really well since Christmas. They have a top five record since Christmas. They have really impressive wins in that span over the Sixers and the Grizzlies. Luka has been playing out of his mind too. He scored 30-plus in seven of his last eight games. He scored 96 combined points across two games in a series with the Clippers last week. Um, I do have some concerns. Yeah, he, he does. owns yeah. the <laughs> I do have some concerns about him like carrying the whole load of that team uh, now that Kristaps is gone, but you know that's a future issue. If we're just looking back at the power rankings, the Mavs have been playing really well, and I think they're deserving of a top-ten spot. I was hoping you weren't going to take them, because I actually think this 10th pick is not... Is, there's like no obvious answer here for me. I'm torn between... The Bucks and the Nuggets, I th- <laughs> all their things being equal. I want to say the Bucks, but they don't have an impressive win recently. I'm going to say the, no. the Nuggets purely because they have, who is still my MVP, Jokic. <laughs> no, wait, mm-hmm. it's hates when I talk about Jokic. <laughs> um, but, like, they, this is great. they also, like, don't have any huge wins recently, but at least they beat, they beat the Nets uh, a few games ago, which is better than what the Bucks have done. Like, all the Bucks wins are against, like, 500 teams or worse, basically. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Nuggets, they have Jokic, who's been playing out of his mind. The Nuggets are also mm-hmm. actually above average in their plus-minus recently, which is more than I can say about the Bucks. And the Jazz are also a team I was considering, but they're, like, almost 500 recently, so they're yeah. out of the ballpark. Yeah, so I don't know. I think this this is where you get into the tier of teams in the NBA that are, like, yeah. more suspect. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to say Nuggets to round out our top ten. Yeah, it's a fair pick. Jokic has been insane, as always, this year, so... Can't hit on that. All star draft didn't do him, didn't do him justice. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, the well, that, that does it. it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. All right, well, that does it for today. Hopefully, you all enjoyed our Super Bowl discussion and our NBA talk. Uh, as always, you know where to follow us, social medias. Please holler at us, let us know which of our discussions you liked, which of our takes you liked, so on and so forth. And we'll be back next week. Hopefully, Wyatt will be back to join us as well. Thank you all for listening. Take care.